You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, good morning. Uh, great to be here and always a privilege to open the Bible. Uh, if you're new among us, uh, I'm Martin, married to Esther, who's leading the service today. Uh, along with a, a team here, are privileged to be the pastors in this uh, wonderful congregation. I'd like to extend my welcome to you. And uh, this week and next week, as uh, we often do at this time of year, I'm going to be speaking into the area of, of money and giving and stewardship. But if you want a title for this morning, the title is The Cup and the Bucket, The Journey to Generosity. I'll come back to that very shortly now, if you've been around CLM for a while, you will know by now, but if, if you're new, you might not, that I'm always excited to speak into this subject. I know a lot of people don't like speaking into this. I love speaking into this. And the reason primarily is that God has done such a work in my life. This is one of the key ways that I have come to know the reality of God and the goodness of God, that He's stretched my faith, He's grown me. It's been such an important part of my discipleship. And I so want that for you too. Uh, Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. And, and the truth is, God is not after our money. But He is absolutely after our hearts. But if we're not free with our money, we, we can sing, Lord, I give you my heart. But actually, we might find we're not as free as we think we are. Of course, I know this is a sensitive subject I know for some of you, even when I, I said what I'm talking about, you're already got a bit tense. Uh, you're maybe holding on to your chair. I want to say, relax. We're not going to have a second offering at the end of this. All is well. I believe God wants to free us and open us up into areas of effectiveness and, and knowing His goodness in our lives. If you're brand new here, uh, we used to apologize because I don't apologize for this anymore. But I do want to assure you of this. We don't preach into this every week. And uh, you will, if you stick around, find that to be true. Also, before we dive fully in, I want to say a massive thank you to, to you as this congregation. What a generous congregation and how we've grown in generosity over the last few years. It's been absolutely incredible and to honor you, commend you. Uh, we don't know what any individual gives, so I, I, I can't, I've no idea uh, who's doing what, but I just know collectively that uh, this has been an incredible journey. And uh, I want to say thank you. There's so many who give sacrificially and faithfully and regularly into the vision of this house, that the ministries, the mission, the impact in the city to the nations, uh, none of this would happen without the giving of God's people. We, we, we ain't got no money coming from anywhere else. And uh, I want to say thank you. And along with the grace of God and the prayers of God's people and the service and the time uh, and the using of our, our gifts and our talents, finance plays such an important part. The rate at which we can accelerate the vision and make an impact in our world and our community. It's not the only thing, but it's a really important thing. It's on a small list of critical things that will determine how far and how fast we can move forward. And I want to say thank you. And 
at the, uh, at the end on your way out today, uh, you'll be given one of these little giving leaflets, which just gives you an outline of our budget for the year here at church and how some of our governance works. Uh, every year in September, we take a whole evening, invite any committed person here to come and spend an evening. We open up the books, look at the finance, governance, how we work. Uh, any question can be asked. We want to be transparent. This is your church. It's our church. And if you've got any questions, you can see who the board of directors and elders and and uh, leaders are here. If you're not sure, uh, come and speak to any of us. If you've got any questions about any of this, and uh, we're just seeking to serve and honor God. I want to say it's a fearful thing to sit in the seat that we sit and steward the giving of God's people, but by the grace of God, we seek to do it to see his kingdom come. And uh, so, before anything else, I'm going to pray. Would you join me? Lord, thank you. Lord, that you are the abundant God. You are the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I thank you, Lord, you're, you're in the business of freeing us and liberating us and growing us and developing us. And I pray, God, you do a work in us even today as we talk about this important subject for the honor of your name. Amen. So the cup and the bucket. If you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 6 and uh, verses 37 to 38, Luke 6, 37 to 38. I'm actually going to turn to three scriptures. You'll find them uh, on the screen uh, coming up. This is Luke 6. This is Jesus. He says this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, that's our first scriptures. Hold on to that idea. Uh, then Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, and he's writing to them uh, in this context in chapters 8 and 9 about a special offering that they've already teed them up for and they've agreed to be a part of and they're about to send some reliable people to come and receive that offering to take it elsewhere to be administered. And he says this, remember, a stingy planter, this is the message, gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. And finally, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 to 25. The world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are helped. This morning, I'd like to speak into the area of giving within the context of generosity. And I'm not ashamed to focus primarily on financial generosity, although we'll touch on some other areas that are ways that we can be generous that are really important. I want to begin by, by saying that uh, many of you will know my story because I, I, I throw it out so often, but uh, our family weren't Christian. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. Uh, we all came to faith in Christ in my late teens, and uh, God did a work. Now, I don't know what happened. I've got one sister. She's a beautiful person. I love her. She's called Suzanne. She's two years older than me. I don't know what happened in the womb, but when she came out, she came out generous. 
She was just one of those kids, and she still is a person who she loved to give, she loved to share, she loved to be generous. If she had something, she'd give it away. She had a chocolate bar and broke it in half to share it, and, and it, it didn't actually bro- break in exact half. She'd give the bigger piece away. I came out of the womb, and I was tight. I was like, I, I don't know what happened, but uh, I didn't come out like that. Uh, I came out like I, I wanted to keep, I wanted to hold, I wanted to have. I knew it was right to give, but it just didn't seem to come that easy to me as it seemed to to her. It was infuriating growing up with her. She always outgave me at Christmas and birthdays and all of that sort of thing. She had a generous spirit. The message today is the cup and the bucket. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm amazed that God has done a work in my life. You know, when I was younger, I held the pound so tight, I made the queen cry. You know, it's like, um, but God did something in me. Like, and, and, you know, these, these pictures here, the, the bucket and the cup, they, they don't represent actual amounts. They represent an attitude of heart. You know, you have a millionaire who's a cup person. who, For all of their great wealth and their great ability, they're mean-spirited and they're tight. Uh, and you can have a five-year-old who, for all the little that they have, is a bucket person, is a generous-hearted person. Uh, Esther, before we met, had uh, a year uh, working for a Christian mission uh, in France. And as part of that, she met an Algerian family. And then when we were married, we went and traveled down to that part of France. And we visited this family. I remember going for dinner at uh, this family, and all the kids were there. Uh, they had this tiny place. It was, it was a little house. Materially, they had nothing, but they were bucket people. Remember, we went for dinner, and I made the rookie mistake of thinking the first course was the main course. The first course was the first course of seven, and as it kept on coming, the food kept on coming. We will never forget this platter of couscous, which was a mountain of couscous. It was enough to feed a hundred people, and there were about ten of us in the room. But such was their generosity. I don't know what they went without, but it was unthinkable to them to have people around and not be abundant in their hospitality. This is a bucket mentality, a generous spirit. They were bucket people. And, you know, I'd like us to see something here before we get into some of the barriers and some of the, the things that God might want to work on in our lives. I believe that actually this issue around giving and generosity. Now, I get it. There are some of you, you're just you're of a generous disposition. And you love to give, and you're big-hearted, and, and you're, you're just that type of people. Uh, you'd give the coat on your back away in a blink if you saw someone that needed it. But the rest of us are normal. And so some of us have got a journey to go on here, but I think it's a journey of restoration. I want to introduce what I think is a really big idea here. There are many of things in our lives that God is restoring to us. You see, in the beginning, it says that He created us in His image and likeness, male and female. We were made in the image and likeness of God. Now, if I was to ask you, is God generous or is God stingy? I think we'd all say, God is generous. God is a generous God. For God so loved the world that he, that he, he gave. He's a giver. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom 
for many, God is a God who gives love and gives grace and gives life and gives breath. And none of this, this in short measure, he gives in abundance. If you need something from God and you ask him, he pours it out. In creation, we see his abundance. He doesn't put a few stars in the sky. He's an abundant, lavish God. God is generous and we were made in his image and likeness. And I believe our created disposition is as a generous people in the image and likeness of God. But to put it simply, we were, we were formed in creation, we were deformed in the fall, and we are being transformed in Christ. Now this is a message all, all in its own, but, but I believe something happened. Because I, I believe that, that God, this generous God, we were made in His image and likeness. But then, in the fall, I believe something happened where we became fearful and we became mean-spirited. We became tight-fisted. Something happened in our disposition. We were broken. It's part of the fall to, to, be, to be fearful and to be mean-spirited and to hold and to have. But I believe in Christ we are being transformed. God is doing a work in us. You see, I say this partly because when we, when we give, most of us, I think, would identify with this. When we are generous, it feels good, right? Yeah. Would anyone agree with that? Yeah. When, we, when we actually manage to be generous, it feels good. You know, I have had the privilege this winter of serving on the winter night shelter, and it's great. You know, I, I, a lot of my world, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm, I'm either leading something or kind of people are looking to me. I turn up to that. I'm just, it just says, Martin, volunteer. Nobody knows who I am. And I just can go along there, and I, I've been able to meet these guys, sit with them in some of the evening serve sessions to, to play, get beaten uh, in chess by all of them. And uh, just be able to sit down, hear their story, give some time, love on them, serve them, try and bring them hope, speak hope into their lives. And I come away way more blessed than them. It, I tell you, I, I am so blessed going and just giving something of myself. It blesses me. It feels good. But normally in life, when we do something that feels good, next time we want to do it again. If you go out for some good food, next time you don't wrestle over whether to go again. Hello? But often when we move to generosity and it feels good, the next time we have the opportunity, we're reluctant all over again. Hello? Is that right? Can, can you experience some of that? Why is that? Because there's a wrestle. There's a battle. There is a, uh, I believe there is a spiritual battle. I don't believe this just uh, relates to giving and generosity. We see it sometimes in prayer and evangelism and vulnerability, a whole host of things that I believe God is restoring us to in Christ, but the flesh is trying to hold on to a fallen position and the enemy is trying to work in that direction as well. So I believe God wants to bring us to a place of freedom. And I'd like us to look at three barriers that we have to overcome in order to become bucket people, not cup people. Just before I do that, I want to touch on four ways that I believe we can be generous. Because I don't believe it's just finance. We can be generous with our time. We can give our time. Time is so precious. It's one of the things we all have the same amount of, is time. And we can use it all on ourselves, or we can serve others and help others. Listen to others, encourage others. So many people here as part of this community give so much of themselves. I want to say thank you and honor you. Seeing here on Friday night, the youth team serving the youth, giving their Friday nights to serve, to give. It's their time. It's precious. 
When I serve on the night shelter, it's my time. It would be easier to give a financial gift, but they don't need that. They, they need me. They could manage without me, but it's my time that is more valuable. You understand that. In Acts 2, the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. They met daily in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes, and the Lord added daily. It was time and commitment given. Somebody said recently, our attention is the purest form of generosity we can give. Our attention. In a communication crowded world, people need our attention. And it can cost us. It can cost us our time. I can remember when I was early in ministry, I I was working six days a week. I was contracted to do Sunday through Friday. And on Saturday, I lived in this little flat. I had to, I didn't have a car. I had to walk to the supermarket, get my groceries. I remember walking back, plastic bags biting into my hands. And uh, I had to go to the laundrette to do my washing and do my ironing and just sort my stuff out and then go again the next day. I remember somebody heard about it, a lady called Judith in the church. She said, look, I hear you go to the laundrette every Saturday. She said, could I do your washing and your ironing for you? It's like, wow, what a gift. What a gift. A lot of people at that time were prophesying over my life, the, the, the future God had for me. And I, and I thank God for that. But you know, this was the most precious gift. She said, just bring me a bag of dirty washing and then on a Sunday, and I'll bring it back the next Sunday. I then had the dilemma of whether to put my pants in or not, because she's like, you know, if I, if I put them in, she's seen my pants. If I don't, she thinks I don't wear any. I mean, which way do you go here? So I like, but it was a gift. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our talents. You know, we, it was great to give a little round of applause, but, but thank God for the musicians and the technicians and the singers who... Bring their gift here every week to serve us. You know, it takes, it takes years. You know, you, you, can, you can train certain tasks quickly, you, 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 but you can't do that in five minutes. I can't hand you a guitar and say, right, this, this, is, this is a chord, off you go. Hard work, gift, and people come and, and give. I want to say, can we say thank you to our worship team and, and technicians and musicians? But so many people in different ways, often when we have a gift, we don't even realize it is a gift because it's how we roll. It's normal to us. Now, Howard Stringer is a world-class usher. He doesn't realize, I don't think he realizes what, what, he, what he does. I don't know. I don't know if he's here, but it's like, it's like unbelievable. And you can't, most people can't do what he does. But for him, he probably thinks it's perfectly normal because he just does it. And, and many of us, you know, I, one of the strange things about me, my brain works like an event planner. You know, if you, if you were to say to me, uh, let's do an event for 100 people, I just immediately go, okay, great. What room are we going to use? If we book the room, are we going to do theater style, cabaret? Do we want tablecloths on the table? Are we going to get them laundered? How much lead time do we need for that? How are we going to market this? How are we going to send out the invites? Do we need people on the car park? I'm going, 374 things we need to think about. I just think like that. And... and and then I came to, I thought everybody should think like that. And then, I, and then I did an alpha course with a friend of mine called Chris. His brain don't work like that. So I ended up organizing everything. And, and he, the thing about Chris is, he, he can't think like that, but he's just a really winning, beautiful, friendly person. And so it was infuriating because I'd organize everything. He'd stand up and everyone would fall in love with him. And I thought he was lazy. Honestly, I thought he was lazy. I was like, why are you leaving all of this to me? I, like, I just didn't think about that. 
Well, think about that, because I'm thinking about that. And then I, and then I did a test, and I realized, actually, this is a gift. The fact I, I do this, and I don't even have to break sweat, it's actually a gift. And the Lord's going to say to me, what did you do with that gift? Did you? And I thought, actually, I serve the people. As Obi in, in leading in early prayer today, that's part of my ministry to be able to bring that to the table, to steward that. You've probably got a gift. You don't even realize it's a gift. It's just how you roll. But it's not how everybody else rolls with our finances. You know, most of us don't think of ourselves as rich, but if you were to line up people across the world in order of wealth, Mr. Average Great Britain, the United Kingdom, would be the eighth richest in the world. On a world standard, probably everybody in the room is rich or on the rich side of the line. And some of this is a, it's a disposition, it's a posture, it's to go for coffee with a friend and decide I'm, I'm going to offer to pay or I'm going to make sure I get to the till first to pay. It's a disposition. We can learn, we can choose to be generous with what we have, to give a tip if we go out to a restaurant. There's a chance to give, to give. Some of it's a mindset and I'll talk about that in a moment. I don't know if you heard about the pound coin talking to the 50 pound note and the pound coin says, hey, what do you get up to? The 50 pound notes, oh, I, I go to a lot of spas and five-star hotels, got a few casinos and high fashion events. What about you? The pound coin says, I go to church quite a lot. Um, now, I, now I, I know, like, that's like, that's like, no, 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 like, that's, that's actually an old joke and that's not relevant here, right? I just, I just couldn't resist making it because I like it. Um, this is a generous congregation. There, there are some churches where, you know, the collection plate comes down, right? And that's, and that's right. Actually, the, the pound coin goes to church quite a lot. Oh, I better find something, you know. I say, like, gosh. Um, we can be generous with our words. We can be bucket people with our words. Or we can be cut people. We can, we can think great things about people and only express it at their funeral. Why wait? We can make a decision. We can be bucket people. You see somebody who does something and you appreciate about them. Why not tell them? I know some of you are intro, introverts and you'd, you'd rather not say anything about anything. But we can make a decision. We can be generous with our words to affirm, to encourage, to appreciate, to thank. There was a guy in our previous church who, who had a real challenge with this. Some of you might have a challenge with this. He had a powerful ability to discourage. I remember like as a, as a leader, if you saw him coming, you'd brace yourself. And, uh, but I remember one time he almost, he almost paid a compliment. Um, he, uh, I remember like we'd put on this event and, um, and he really had fun. It was actually a barn dance. It was just his social thing and he just, he had such a blast. And he came to see me on the Sunday and he came up to me and I thought, oh no, it's this guy. I'll be honest with you, sorry. And um, I was like, okay. And, and he said, can I say thank you for Friday? It was so good. I so enjoyed it. And it was just great to do something social. And it was so much better than the normal rubbish. You know, I was like, oh, I was like, you... I was like, you so nearly, you so nearly made it. You know, so nearly made it. And it's like, we can be generous with our words. Why not encourage somebody? Send someone a text, phone someone up, catch someone. Say, can I just say this about you? I just appreciate this about you. You're such a blessing. Do you know how great, do you know how much you encourage you when I, when I observed you doing that? Do you know how much that meant to me? Thank you. I appreciate you. We can be generous. But I, I believe to become bucket people, not cut people, we have to overcome a number of barriers. I'd like to look at three today, particularly in the area of finance. And the first is this, the, the illusion of keeping. The illusion of keeping which says, I'll be richer if I hold on to it. I'll be richer if I 
hold on to it. It's cup mentality. And here we're wrestling with a mean spirit. I don't want others to have it. I want to have it. You see this in toddlers. You see toddlers. It's it's great. You see a toddler sometimes. They're playing with a toy, and then another toddler goes for another toy that they had no interest in until that toddler went for that toy. And then they bomb over there, and they grab it. It's like, mine, I I want that. I want that as well as that and and that. And if anyone else has that, like, I, I, I want this for mine. I don't want the thought someone else might have it. The illusion of keeping, they'll be richer if I hold on to it. The fist is a, is a great picture of this principle. See, if I, if, I, if I hold on, I can't receive. You can't pour much into that. But you can pour something into that. And it's this open-handed approach we have to come to, some of us. Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. Most of us, well, we want it to be given to us. But here's the key. Give and it will be given to you. This illusion that if I keep it, I will be richer. But actually, if I give, it will be given to me. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The measure you use will be measured to you. In the verses we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. Uh, crop. Paul goes on and says this, he supplies seed for the sower. And I believe he introduces what, what I call the principle of flow. This is something that God has done such an incredible work in my life. The first rule of faith in giving is I have to sow it to reap it. I have to give to receive. Now, now hear me right. I, I think in the stewardship of our finance, we, we should give out of obedience to God, not give to get. But there is a principle that actually, in order to, to move into a realm of generosity, we have to learn to let go, to learn to give. That we'll reap when we sow. There is something of flow. God wants to turn our lives, I believe, into a river, not into a pond. I don't want to say as a holder, as a, a self-confessed holder and keeper in early life, this was something I had to go on a journey towards. I remember God doing a work in me. I was serving as an intern in my church after university um, in my, my early 20s. It was such a frugal year. It was, I mean, money was too tight to mention, literally. It was like there was more month at the end of the money, and it was just, it was really tough. It was tight. I was just on the tightest budget. It was a journey of faith every month. And I remember around that time, Eugene Peterson uh, first released the, the first editions of the Message Bible. Some of you were around in that era. And, and at that time, it was New Testament and Psalms only. Some of you remember this. And I remember uh, these were available for purchase at our church, and they were 10 pounds. And I really wanted one, but I didn't have the 10 pounds. And I remember, I remember saving up. I don't know what I did, whether I sacrificed some stuff, but I, I remember saving up until I'd got my 10 pounds to buy the message bible and i was really excited and i went to church that day i had my 10 pounds in my pocket and uh, i remember during the worship the lord speaking to me to buy the message bible and to give it to somebody in particular and i remember wrestling with the lord but i, I knew you, you know when you know it's god and, and you can't you know you, well it's futile to put up a fight i remember like feeling feeling this this was this was tough for me the illusion of keeping, if, if, I, if I had it, well, I, I would have that Bible. I wanted that Bible for myself. I didn't much want to give it to this other person. But the, it's like, I think the Lord was like prizing my fingers open and saying, watch, 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 watch what happens. I remember, I remember doing it, going to get the Bible and giving it to this person <laughs> with a joyful disposition. <laughs> 
And I, I didn't go home that night with a, with a Bible, but within a couple of weeks or something, someone had bought one for me. But God started to do something in me, started to pour in. I started to see some things open up. And God started to do a work in my life. Some of you know the story, we've shared it with you before, where Esther and myself were first married, and we had 300 pounds in the bank. And the Lord spoke to us clearly to give 10,000 pounds away to a special offering over and above our normal tithes and offerings. I remember setting off on this journey. You see, we, we didn't have the 10,000 pounds. We had 300 pounds, but we, we sowed that, and we made a plan, and we, we gave. It took us, took us the best part of two years, I think, to complete that special offering, changing our budgets. We both got promoted at work, and we just did what we could. But when we finished that, and it was such joy in the giving... That the next two years, like we finished it, and then something really weird started to happen. The heavens started to open over our lives, and people would come randomly and say, I feel the Lord spoken to me, want to give you this, and feel, feel the Lord spoken to me, want to, want to do this. And it was only at the end of about another 18 months that we totaled up, because it had just been the crazy season, and we had been given 17,000 pounds in the 18 months that followed the two years. And it was at that point we stopped, and I, and I remember just thinking, Lord, you, you weren't after our money. You're after our hearts, but you are showing us that, if, that actually if we'll trust you, if we'll give, then actually you'll turn us into a river, not a pond. And then, the, then another offering came around, and we were able to double what we did last time. And the Lord has just kept flow going. And I want to encourage you that, that if you have this illusion of keeping, that God will do something in your life and through your life. There's more I could say on this. We have to make a start. The second barrier I'd like us to look at is the fear of lack. The fear of lack, which says, I, I can't afford to give. It's different to I'll be richer if I keep it. It's, it's not a mean spirit that we're wrestling with here. It's a poverty spirit. I want to understand that a poverty spirit uh, is nothing to do with how much money you've got. You can, ha you can have a millionaire uh, who's got a poverty spirit, who's, who's fearful of not having what they have now amassed, of having less and can live and operate with a cup mentality and a cup mindset. Some really wealthy people can carry a fear of lack, a generational poverty spirit. Poverty spirit can be in a life, in a family, in a community. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The fear of lack is a mindset issue. It says, I can't give because I can't afford to give. And fear rather than selfishness is what is lurking here. It says, if I give, I might be without. I might not have enough. I might not be able to provide. I might not be able to pay my bills. I might not be able to sustain a certain lifestyle. Now, now hear me right. Absolutely believe in good stewardship and budgeting and responsible, diligent managing of our finances. I'm so delighted. Currently, we've got Cap Money course running here again to help people. I can't believe they don't teach this stuff in schools, how to handle money. Um, but they'll teach you algebra. But, but I, anyway, that's, that's, that's another story. But I think this is so important for us that we understand how to handle our money. But I also believe in a faith journey and a faith dimension. I believe God wants to move us into a dimension that naturally is beyond us. That is actually breaks out of a fear of lack. And I believe in, in the, the formed and deformed. In deformed in the fall, this fearfulness came upon us, but God is transforming us in Christ to a different position where we understand God is Jehovah Jireh. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. His arm is never too short, and he wants to work in us and through us, but wants us to live in a faith dimension. 
And we have to break out of a fear of lack. I know many people struggle with the idea of tithing because of a fear of lack. And they stay as cop people and never become bucket people. They'll say they agree with the principle of first things that runs through the Bible, and we'll say more about this next week, that the first and the best belongs to God. But don't step out in faith because of a fear of lack. But what I believe that, that, that we're doing if we operate this is we're saying, I am my provider. I, I, I can't trust God to be God because he might not come through. I'd rather trust myself to be Jireh than Jehovah Jireh. Whereas actually if we step out and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this area, then we open the possibility for God to step in and for God to be God. I'd far rather God was meeting my needs than I'm trying to meet my needs because his arm is never too short. Now, I know this is a wrestle and this is a mindset issue, but for many of us, I believe God wants to break us out of a fear of lack. You see, we, we can miss the point that the principle of first things was always about faith. God didn't say, have, have, have 10 lambs and then give me the 10th. He said, give me the firstborn, the firstborn. You've got to understand it. If it's the firstborn, there's no actual guarantee of any more born. Give me the firstborn and then see what I'll do. This principle of first things, will you trust me? I can remember stepping out as, as a student, 19 years of age. I had, in those days, a maintenance grant, which was a, a lump of, of money, which, you know, is, is, it was so much better than... The, the situation now for students, and I thank God for that, but it was probably about half what you needed to live on. And I remember I, I got my grant, and I'd become a Christian uh, a year or two earlier, and I remember just this conviction that I needed to tithe my maintenance grant. I remember it came in, I remember writing my first tithe check, and literally two days later, I won some money. I mean, it was just like, uh, I was, I've never won money, I don't think before or since. But it was just this, this sign. I remember uh, two or three months later going home for my summer, and uh, I've shared this with some of you before, but I, I, I want to encourage some people here for whom this may be new. I remember I would say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I remember I go home for my summer, and I, I needed to work. I needed to earn in that summer. I got back to my hometown, and I was looking for work. For two weeks, I was working very hard at trying to find work, but I wasn't actually finding work. I was taking my CV. I was signing up for agencies. I was going into shops saying, hey, do you need anybody? I'll clean the toilets. What do you want? And I couldn't get work. I remember I got to a Monday morning, and I remember kneeling down in my bedroom and saying, God, I need you to help me. I need a job. I remember saying to him, Lord, this is what I'm asking you for. I'm asking you that I would know by this Wednesday that I've got a job. I'd be able to start by a week today, and I would earn this amount an hour. There we go. And, and as I finished my prayer, I felt the Lord speak to me, you need to phone pork farms. Now, there was a reputation in the town where I live that pork farms that makes pork pies, uh, the factory there, it was the best paid job for students in the summer. They take students on and they paid them this crazy hourly wage, which is about double what I'd asked the Lord for. But the thing about pork farms, if you wanted to work in the summer, you had to apply in January. And I hadn't applied in January. And I knew there was this big waiting list of people who wanted to work there, who'd gone through the process. And I remember the Lord saying, you need to phone Port Farms. And I was like, oh, no, Lord, it doesn't work like that. And I kind of just informed the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth, how it works. I thought, you know, it's probably had a lot on his mind. There's a lot going on in the world. So I was like, it doesn't work like that. You have to apply in January. It's like, phone Port Farms. I was like, Lord, this is crazy. There's a big waiting list. I know there's a waiting list because my friend's sister's on the waiting list. It's like, it's like phone. And I had this impression in my spirit. 
And I remember going, I looked up the phone directory in those days. Some of you, I'm really showing my age today, aren't I? And, and I, remember, um, I remember phoning Art Pork Farms thinking, this is ridiculous. Has anyone ever uh, done what the Lord's asked them to do thinking this is ridiculous? And then they find out actually it's not. So actually I, I phoned up and I said, hi, can you put me through to, to Human Resources, please? I, I went through and said, hello, my name's uh, Martin. I, I'm a student. I'm looking for work. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm not on your list. And the lady on the other end, she said, uh, well, it's really strange you should phone right now. Because a director's just come in and said, I need to take on four more attempts starting tomorrow. She said, can you get down here in an hour? I was like, you bet I can. So, so, I, so I remember jumping on my bike, and I, I biked down, and I checked in, and they did a little medical on me, and I started the next day, not the next Monday. I, I, earned, I earned twice as much an hour for what I'd asked the Lord for. And I finished university 14 pounds in credit. It was a modern-day miracle. And... And some of you are saying, what about the people on the list? That's not fair. No, it's favor. But this is what happens. The fear of lack, say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And let him be Jehovah Jireh. And the story of our lives from, from then to now, how God has stretched us and challenged us, but helped us to break through and seen his provision. You will see answers to prayer if you step out and trust him in some incredible and tangible ways. And the third barrier I believe we have to think about overcoming is the deception of non-contribution. The deception of non-contribution which says my bit isn't needed or my bit won't make any difference with my time or my talents or my finances. No one will miss my bit. But remember, God calls his church a body. He says in Romans 12, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member, can we say each member? Each member, notice it's not most members, some members, the most talented members, each member belongs to all the others. 1 Corinthians 12, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Ephesians 4 says from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And in what God has orchestrated in church, we all have a part to play. And if we fall into the deception of non-contribution, thinks my bit isn't needed, we miss what God has designed. He's designed it for us all to be involved in every way and every area. Really quickly, five thoughts as we, why non-contribution is a deception. Firstly, things are not always as they seem. You can look at a church like this and think they've got everything sorted, they don't need me. But behind the scenes, some people are working very hard. Some people are probably over-contributing because some are under-contributing. And from the outside, it looks like it's not needed, but it's not true. Secondly, collective contribution requires everybody. One of the incredible things about our vision offerings has been it's been an offering of everybody. That actually this year, that nearly half a million pounds pledged in an offering in October. What a miracle and what an incredible Sunday that was. But you know, that was as each part. It was, there, was, there were no high rollers like paying six-figure checks here. But as everybody stepped out, it's, it's a collective thing. This is how the church works. And we mustn't fall into the deception of non-contribution. What a beautiful thing in October to see the children, young people, single moms, retired generation, those seeking work, those workplace professionals, everybody doing what they can do. We get it. Somebody's five pounds is somebody's 5,000, but everybody designed to play a part. Thirdly, we can overlook the principle of divine multiplication. Now, when we give our little, God can do much with it. 
the story of the feeding of the 5,000, the little boy. He was a bucket person. Five loaves and two fish. And he gave it all. He offered it all up. And mentally, you think, this is going to do nothing. This might feed one other person, maybe two if we go hungry. But put it in the hands of Jesus, who put it in the hands of the disciples is a miracle. You might think, well, I, I, rationally, I don't see how this... I'm not really talking rationally today. Some of these principles, they're spiritual principles. They're part of being transformed in Christ that we need faith to step into. Now try and work it out. Then what I'm saying to you won't actually work because these are spiritual divine principles. And we put things in God's hand. You know, but I, I do tell you like one example in our vision offering last year. And I don't know this is definitely true, but somebody was in our morning services who didn't give and wasn't when they came planning to give. And in the, I know in the evening, they pledged 10,000 pounds. And I know in the morning, they were massively impacted by the children's offering. What a thought for me that a young person says, I'm going to give a pound a month, 12 pounds this year. And somebody goes, that's touched me. And I'm going to do something. This is the principle of divine multiplication. I wonder if the band can come and join me. The fourth reason why non-contribution is a deception is our response is spiritual. You might think it won't make a difference to the whole, but I believe it makes a difference to God. In Luke 21, Jesus is running a commentary on the temple offering. He's standing, he's watching the offering, and he's commenting to his disciples about it. There's a thought. And he he observes what is going on, and the Bible says this, he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting two very small copper coins. Tell, Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. He said, this widow, she's a bucket person. It's not about the amount. People were pouring in much more amount. He says, there's a bucket person here. I've just seen her. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. She could have reasoned, my two small copper coins won't make, won't make any difference to the temple treasury and the temple budget. Do you know what? On a fiscal rationale, I think she was probably right. But I want to tell you, they made a difference to God. They made a difference to God. But the final thought is that our contribution changes us. And this is what I've learned. You see, if I look over the last 30 years, and I can stand here with integrity and say, the Lord, the Lord has taught us how to give. We go first in all our offerings. Well, I tell you, we seek to lead by example in this area. And I can say that with a, a smile on my face. Not out of a sense of pride, but I, I know we live this. But I want to tell you, over the last 30 years, that, that who has been impacted the most through my giving, I tell you, it's no church, it's no organization, it's no individual, it's me. I've been impacted more than anybody by my giving, if I can call it my giving, because God's changed me. God's changed my heart. God's raised my faith. God's let me see his hand of provision. God has, has done a work in my heart. God has opened me up from being a tight and a fearful person to someone who can trust him and give. God has, has shown his abundance to us. God has stretched our faith. We have stories in our family. Our kids know the truth of God's provision because they've lived it and walked it. Because when we've let some things go, we've seen some other things come in. And I want to encourage us. We have to break through some of these barriers, some of us. When time comes to a close, I'm going to invite us to pray. I wonder if across this room, if we could 
maybe close our eyes and bow our heads. You don't have to pray in this way, but I, I want to create a moment of privacy for people here today. Because I believe the Lord wants to break some things off some people. Some of you, you've lived with a fearfulness over this area. A fear of lack. A poverty spirit. And you wouldn't have articulated it as such, but, but you know today the Lord is challenging you. And even now, you're even fearful to respond. But I want to encourage you to say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Would you help me? Lead me by the hand. Help me to break out into a new area of faith. I don't see how you might provide, but that's your business, not my business. Some of us in the room, maybe we've made a God of our money or our time. Maybe we've been mean-spirited, cop people. The Lord stretches you today to come follow me. Be a bucket person. Be a generous person. And invites you to, to make a heart response before him today. To move from the illusion of keeping into a generous disposition. Maybe some of you you live with, well, my part won't make any difference. But if for nothing else, you'll understand this, it makes a difference to God and it will make a difference to you. And I'm simply going to ask this in the privacy of this gathering with with eyes closed. If, if you're responding to the word in one of these ways, or just saying, yes, Lord, I'm going to invite you to do a bold thing and just stand where you are. I'm not going to get you to do anything else than that. But as a sign of response, we could just pray and go home. But sometimes we need to activate these moments. I'm going to invite you right now, if you're responding to the word, you know you need to say yes. I'm going to invite you to stand where you are. I'm going to pray over you. God's going to help you. great others if you need to stand stand now I'm going to pray it's great I'm not going to I'm not taking notes of who stood I'm not going to follow anybody up this is between you and the Lord I believe God wants to deliver many of us stretch us grow us if you're standing I'm praying for you in these moments Lord thank you that you are transforming us you're changing us. You're making us more like yourself. You're restoring to us a, a, a designed and a created disposition to be generous people. And I, I pray, God, of every person that would stand in these moments, whatever they're standing for, it, Lord, I pray you would break off them anything that would seek to restrict and limit any fear in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that, that those who, who struggled in this area, Lord, you would... You would work in them in this next season. Cause them to step out into something. Into freedom. Come Holy Spirit. Take them by the hand. Let them step out, I pray, and see your deliverance. See your provision. See your transformation. That they would have stories to tell. That they would have their own stories of your faithfulness in this area. In the name of Jesus.